Welcome to Books on Air. I'm Suzanne Harris. Books on Air is a series where we do a deep dive into the writer's passion. We talk about why they wrote the book. We find out about their writing process, and we ask about what they hope their readers take away from the book. You'll get a real glimpse behind the curtain, if you will. Joining me today is the most delightful woman. Her name is Jean Ferdinand Tannis, and she has written a captivating book titled My Father the Captain. Jean, welcome to Books on Air. It's such a pleasure to have you. I've enjoyed our conversation already. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this time when I could speak with you and the world about the book I've written about my father and his brother. It's, my father, the captain. It's fascinating. I was just captivated. I mean, Let's tell our listeners, let's give them a little overview of what the story's about, because it's not only a family story, but there's also a religious component within the book. So let's give them a little idea of what the book's about. The book is about two brothers from a very small island in the Caribbean, in the Eastern Caribbean, an island called Beckley. It is spelled B-E-Q. U-I-A, but it is pronounced Beckway. And it is an island governed by the island of St. Vincent. The brothers were just ordinary men and in, in the, on the island, but they had an ambition and a desire to build ships because to get from one island to the other, they have to have a deep vision to see that it's the only means of transport. And between both brothers, they developed it and accomplished it successfully. That's not all that happened, though, is it? There's so much that you talk about in the book. The cover of the book I thought was exquisite. It's a beautiful sailing ship. Tell me what that sailing ship is. The sailing ship, it's a schooner. I don't know if you know about ships, because you have rowing boats, then you have fishing boats, then you have what you call a sloop, which is one a one-mast ship, and then you go on to a two-mast, which is called a schooner. And the schooner is what the whole thing is about. The, the boat brothers built schooners, and these schooners traded from one island to the other. Um, um, they did it with passion, with a lot of love, and they, they had a lot of interest in the people around them because there was no other means of transport during those days. They had not got planes, and only occasionally would a steel hull ship pass, which people thought was beyond their reach. So these ships did all the trade in the islands, around the islands. And the story goes into my father, who he was an ordinary man, as I said, with a very big vision. And later on in life, this turned out that he was able to help during the World War, Second World War, to do a great job. Um, he himself and his brother, I feel quite 
um, dissatisfied that they have not been honored. And I feel that they should have posthumous awards because what they have done have been overlooked and should not have been. And this is one of the reasons I wrote this book with such passion. I think that it's wonderful that you're bringing what they did to light so that people will know. What what years are we talking about, Jean, that your father did the, the trade and worked with the ships in the Caribbean? I think um, it would be during World War, just uh, between, I would say, between 40, 1940 to 45. But that was during the war. But then he did, they did it before then, from 19, I would say, 37. They did it before then and after the war. But the emphasis is on the period. What happened? After they built these ships, they were just trading from one island to the other on the Central America. Then the war, um, there was a, the queen, um, not the queen, there was a, Thing made by the government that they all the all the steel ships were I guess the name of the word anyhow they, they were commanded to be used for the crown and so it left a void so that there was while the other steel ships had gone to be at war it left a void and the oil took the oil from the island of Trinidad where it um, they extracted the crude oil. There was nowhere and no ship to transport it to Guyana, British Guyana, where they did the distilling of the oil. And my father saw the opportunity and he used his ship and introduced it to the people who accepted it. And so did many others of the other shipbuilders. But because my father more or less started it, he was the one that, you know, got the recognition mainly. He was a brave man. Wasn't. He was. Yeah. He was a brave, a brave man. A brave and humble man. A brave. You see, he, he had an insight that a lot of people did not have because you could not move from one island to the other without shipping. And he was a determined man. He built what I admire about him. He built the ship himself. I, I, as a child, I would go down to the shipyard and see everything that is happening from the way they start the carving the hull of the ship, how they build the ship, everything. I, as a little girl, I went down there, played with the shaving, played with the tools, talked to my dad, you know, and saw how the ship was built, how it went right up to the top and, and everything. He was a very, very brave man and courageous man, but a humble man. He remained humble. In spite of all that he made, his wealth, he remained a humble man. A true visionary. It really sounds like he was a true visionary. And what wonderful memories you must have as a child to be in the middle of all of that. I mean, to to witness your father building a ship. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Well, you know, it really is, looking back, over the years, it's very exciting because I, I could remember him going down one morning on his own. And then I would track, you know, how children follow their parents. Sometimes they don't even realize you're following them. 
But after a while, I would go there, four or five, and I would stay there. And there was no danger because it was a ship site with just three men on, on their building. And to see them, you know, everything I remember vividly, how they built that ship. I saw the shaving, the ropes, the, the tar, the smell of oakum, and everything that was being done. The, the tools, especially, how they would use the tools and everything. And so it was a very, very exciting moment. That is why when it came to write the book, um, everything came back quite vividly, and it still stays with me. And unless people realize that... Um, Mainly, the Chinese family, unless they realize the effort was put into these these two men put into building these ships, they cannot really appreciate the name of the family, the importance of the family name. I must mention here that my uncle Isaac had once immigrated to America, not immigrated, migrated to America, and he was there for a while as a carpenter. And um, apparently, he did not get on with the docks. And they suggested to him that the only thing he could go and do was to be a shoeshine boy. And it is said that Tom Geiser said he'd rather die than remain a shoeshine boy. So he came back to the West, to Equay, and there he swear himself and his older brother, which is my father, met up. And I imagine Tom Geiser had some extra cash from America. My father had the knowledge and the skill, and the board got together and worked together, and they started the shipbuilding business, which was very successful. People my age and older um, would remember these ships were up and down all over the Caribbean, in all the islands, wherever you went. They were the main means of transportation for everything, for human, animals, provisions, groceries, everything. It's just amazing. It's just amazing to think that your father was first. That's just astonishing to me. That must You just must be so proud of him because of everything he did, his creativity, his forward thinking, his, being, his visionary, the, the way that he helped in the war. I mean, he sounds like a larger-than-life person almost because of all the qualities. I mean, a lot of people, when he's at home, especially, I once said to him, when I was at boarding school in Trinidad, he came to visit me and was in his same clothes, you know, just his brown hat, suit, and a sandals on a cap. And I said to him, oh, you I said to him, oh, daddy, I said, happy white. Didn't you dress up? And he said to me, dress up? What do you mean dress up? I said, put on a suit. And he said, my dear child, he said, when I'm in these islands, only a few people know who I am, the custom officers and everything, and they know I could wear a suit. He said, and when I go home to the West, to, to Beckway, everybody knows who I am. Oh, gee. You know, I don't have to, to dress up, he says. So there's no point in, you know, he had, he had Expensive clothes, but he didn't put any emphasis on material things, just on his family, friends, and the sea. He had great respect for the sea, and he taught us all great respect for the sea. Even when we traveled with him, and he would give us the 
wheel, the steering wheel of the ship and teach us how to navigate. Remember, this man is himself a taught ocean navigator. He wasn't sent to a university or school. He learned it himself. And so he would teach us how, how to, if, say, he was moving from Beckwith to St. Vincent, which is the main island. Once he caught me, he tacked and he got to see the island. He would teach us how to keep the wheel and how to keep it so in the middle of the island so that if we roll the ship to the left, once the waves have passed, we have to look, make sure that we get the wheel back right to the middle of hell. And he would let us sail these icy water, icy deep, big waves until we get to, 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 to the harbor. And then when we reach to what they call tack, whatever that means, I don't know, <laughs> the tack, he would take the wheel from us. He was a real visionary and, an, you know, very, nobody speaks badly of him, a very, um, what, how would I express him? Not, not just a caring man, very concerned about the neighbors and everybody in the extended family. This is who he was. And I feel really that he's a man that should be given some um, recognition. In my book, you would have read, I said, he was in the same category of Christopher Columbus yes. and all these other big men, so Walter Raleigh, Drake, and he was exactly the same. And yet, there he is. We, we do not honor our own people. I honor him anyhow. I honor him. When he came to England, let's go forward. When he came to England in the 70s, after the World War, he decided to expand to steal our ships. And he came to England to buy a ship. And he, I think, of course, they expected to see somebody when they hear about Captain Alfred George Stanley, they expected to see somebody with, I don't know what, with a pipe and suit and, and all of that. And they were waiting and waiting for him. And he was waiting and waiting for them. And in the end, he said, I just went to them and asked them if they were waiting for a man called Mr. or Captain Tannis. He said, yes, he says, I am he. He said they were so taken back. But he said, when we got the negotiation table, we went to the docks. He said, he saw the ship, and the ship, and he got to the negotiation table, and he began to speak. He said, you could see the respect coming on these people. This is not just an old black man. This is a man with knowledge and experience. And he said, that's how it is, you know. He doesn't have to show off. He doesn't have to think. He just lets his experience speak for himself. Listening to you talk and listening to you tell the stories about how you got to sail and listening to you tell the story about him right now, you have taken me with you. I am right there on that ship, the way you described it and the way you talked about it. Jean, you are an excellent storyteller. Why did you decide to add the religious component to the book? Well, the, the reason is that a lot of the book, as a matter of fact, I have to say, after I have finished writing the book, which I must say I did it on an iPhone 7 with my index finger, after I finished writing this book, I said, oh, you have done very well, Jean. Pat yourself on the back and lie back. <laughs> and when, when I did that, that holy voice, that voice, that still small voice that Christian would understand, said to me, and where am I in this book? <laughs> and I, I thought, oh my God, 
I have been. I put my hands upon the Lord, oh Lord, I've said that, I have to write. So that's how I came to write the second part of the book, because God wanted me to talk about the two fathers. And this is why in the opening of the book I said that many people, there are quite a lot of people in the Caribbean, there are a lot of illegitimacy, and now in the, the, the Western world and the Eastern world, there's many as well. So I said there's some who would never know their earthly father. But it is important that we know our Heavenly Father. And that is, is why I, I made emphasis on knowing our Heavenly Father, who we are. Because in times, like in, with my father, we made a lot of money and, and then there was disaster stuff. In times of disaster or in times of, of anything, the um, situation changes, our life situation changes. We have to have a rock on which we stand, and Christ is that rock. You see, you could have plenty and an abundance, but if something happens and you haven't got Christ on which you stand, and Christ the solid rock I stand, if you haven't got him and you're unthinking stand, this is why many people suffer with depression, they suffer suicidal things. Uh, my, neither my father, all his children depended solely on his wealth. We depended, we had a mother who was a wonderful Christian woman, and she taught us to depend on Jesus, depend on God. Depend on Jesus, depend on God. I and love that. I love that story. I read it in the book, and I wanted, to, I wanted our listeners to hear it because I thought it was just so perfect. You've done such a great job blending family story with the religion that obviously is so strong in your background. I just thought it was it, it was beautiful how everything came together. Well, you said, Mother, I remember her when she gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We had a big house, just a four-bedroom house. But, but, you know, my bedroom was next to hers, and you could hear when she starts singing in the morning. And I would get up something, and I loved how she would brightly beams of Father's mercy, and that hymn reminds me, when she gets to the birth, some poor fainting, struggling seaman in the darkness may be lost. And I think of my father, on the wall of our house, we had paintings of the ships, the different ships, and we would look there and we would pray for them, and we pray for the sea. Even now, I, can, I pray a lot for the sailors, because the sea is a dangerous place. It's a friendly place. If you ever get the opportunity to go yacht or to go to the island, like the Grenadines, if you ever get the opportunity, all your listeners do make an effort to go there because it's a place where everybody goes yachting. The, you know, a ship and a schooner and all of that is no big thing because everybody knows someone who has a ship or a schooner or a sloop or a yacht, but now they come with the American type yachts or the German type yachts. But the sea is a friendly place, and it's a dangerous place. Depends how you treat it, whether you respect it or you just take it for granted. And we will learn to respect the land and the sea, because there is where we get our blessings, the land and the sea. You're certainly a, an ambassador for the Grenadines. You've made me want to come. <clears throat> and your book gives me visual images because of the way you write. 
<coughs> excuse me, I have a frog. I'm sure that we have talked and you have told enough about the book that the listeners are saying, where can I find it? This wonderful, wonderful book is on Amazon. <coughs> Excuse me. The title, again, is My Father, comma, The Captain by Jean, J-E-A-N, Ferdinand, F-E-R-D-I-N-A-N-D, Tannis, T-A-N-N-I-S. When you click on, on the, the, those words, that beautiful cover will come up and you'll see that beautiful schooner that Jean and I were talking about a few minutes ago. Jean, I know that some of our listeners are probably wondering if they could find you on a website or if you have a Facebook page. You and I talked about this before we really started doing the interview. You have plans to put together a website, and you have plans to put together a Facebook page and perhaps some other things. Tell me where else you think you might have a presence on social media in the future. Well, we uh, um, on the website, I want to, to display things like the family crest. Perfect. Um, and um, things about Bequay and the Grenadines, because they, um, it is a place that I hold dear to my heart. <coughs> the Grenadines, it's, it's somewhere that I think everybody should try and make a trip. As a matter of fact, I understand just this week, last week, a royal member of the family and his wife was on one of the islands called Canawan on holiday. You see the island um the island of Bequay and the Grenadines. We we believe that everybody was born equally, two hands, two feet and eyes and so so no matter who you are, once we have seen you, we have seen you. We don't go chasing after you like the paparazzi or anything like that. And um I'll be having on my website as I said, the family crest, things that the family and others could purchase or go and look at. And the, um, the, we'd have the social media. Plans are laid for the social media, but I can't speak much about it because technology isn't part of my, you know. <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably you, um, will, you will also plan to have a little presence on or a presence on Facebook. And I think you were talking about Instagram because I believe with all of the beauty that you've described, I'm sure that you'll want to post some pictures uh, of the Grenadines and of the various islands. And I mean, I, I just can't wait to see these on your Instagram page. And I think you have some grandchildren who plan to help you with this. Is that right? Oh, that's right. Most certainly. You know, they know about technology. So they would be able to do it, and we, we have plans to post a lot about the Grenadines and St. Vincent. We mustn't forget St. Vincent, the head of government, and all the islands in the Grenadines. And I said to myself, I don't want to say too much about the Grenadines, a lot about the book. But <laughs> the book is the Grenadines, and the Grenadines is the book they're entwined. That's perfect. We cannot, you know, what I would love to see. And I would put it out there. I would put it on my Instagram. If there are any persons there who believe in shipbuilding, making sails, cutting sails and making sails for schooners and sailing ships, 
if they want to come back to that place called Beckwith. This is what I would like to see happen, that this shipping industry be resurrected again. Because famous people spent hours just looking at our men, cutting sails and sewing it and making all these big rigging out to ship. It, you know, it was impossible. You know, to them it was impossible to see an ordinary man on an island rigging out a ship as if he was from a university taught at a new university. These things were taught, handed down to us, and it's something we should not lose. But if there are any entrepreneur out there who would love to do shipbuilding, I'm sure the government of St. Vincent wouldn't mind getting in touch with you. If you would get in touch with me, I would be putting it on my Instagram page. And, you know, you can come over and we can start something. I think that would be great. And I know that when you get on Facebook and when you create the website and when you get the Instagram done, that it will involve your name. So let me give... Uh, let me spell your name and give it so that the the listeners can hear me say it and they can look for you by your name. It's Jean, J-E-A-N, Ferdinand, F-E-R-D-I-N-A-N-D, Tannis, T-A-N-N-I-S. Jean, I can't tell you how delightful you have been to speak with today. This has just been wonderful for me to be able to talk to you. Our time is coming to an end, and I want you to have the last word about the book. If you were looking someone in the eye that was reading the book, what would you like to tell them you would like to have them leave with when they finish, when they turn that last page and close that back cover? What do you want them to go away with? Well, I would like them to go away. One of the things is a story my father told me, and I never know he had, I've never seen him with emotion, but he told me a story which remains with me about um, one day it was his, his watch, and it was early morning, and he said he, felt, he smelled a very unusual smell from the galley, and from the galley, with the smell rushed the cook from the galley, and he was excited, and he said, Captain, the, the, the galley is on fire. Captain, the galley is on fire. And my father said, you know, it didn't register on him. But soon after, a large flame came out of the galley, a town of fire. And he said, when he saw that flame of fire, and he realized there's fire in the galley and 600 barrels of crude oil in the hull, he said, I held on to the wheel, and I said, oh, God. And I wouldn't tell you the rest of that story. <laughs> When, when you get to the book, you would read the rest of the story and you would know why I think I finished my book by saying disappointment is inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. No matter how disappointed you get, never become discouraged because we have a God and he's all he's overall. He never slumbers nor sleeps. And that is what keeps me. His grace and mercy. I, I ask as well that the, the readers get this this hymn or chorus by the Mississippi Mass Choir. His grace and mercy brought me through in disappointment. In any situation you are, you must hold on to the hand of God, as my father held on to the wheel of that ship that day. 
you are wonderful. I am so glad that you and I had the opportunity to talk, Jean Ferdinand <laughs> Tannis. I will remember you, Susan. Uh, it's, it's, it's Susan, isn't it? It's Suzanne, but that's close enough. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, my daughter is called Susan. That's why I call you Susan. So it points you pronounced. I'm feeling it, Susan. I think that's a. I think that's a compliment, Jean. Thank you very much. <laughs> God bless you, and thank you for the interview. I hope it all went well. It's gone God very you. well. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear the podcast on Apple, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. I hope you'll pick up a copy of this wonderful, wonderful book. Not only is it it an exciting family story, the way that Jean writes this, you will be right there in the Grenadines and have adventures with her father and his brother. You will really, really enjoy this book. Remember, keep reading, keep writing, and keep telling your stories. Thank you so very much for listening.